0: Welcome back, Richard. It's good to see you, and it's great to talk about school today. Right. We're going to talk about schools. We're going to talk about schools as it relates to COVID. But we're going to we're going to get real um, when it comes to schools today. Um, oh yes, what's yeah. happening in schools today? And maybe kick off a a little bit of a mini series where we're going to talk about schools.
1: Yeah, I hope we can keep doing this. I'd like to. I'd like to think in terms of a mini series. Um, where, are you, well, you're you're knee deep in uh, more than knee deep in schools right. i'm sort of tangentially involved but um there's a lot going on in schools that unless you're involved in some way you don't really realize uh, what's happening in schools uh, right each
0: year. Mm-hmm. yeah and I, I think that um you know many many parents who send their kids to schools every day they don't even they're not even fully aware uh, mm-hmm. of what's happening at schools, what schools are trying to do, um, what schools right. are unable to do. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's important for us to talk about.
1: Right, right. And I thought, you know, we're <laughs> like it or not, we're approaching the end of the year. Um, we were laughing about it the other day in a meeting because it seems like time is going by very slowly. And yet here we are right. um, facing Halloween, Thanksgiving and the holidays, and um, all of a sudden, another year is, is, is almost um, gone by and when that happens when as we approach the end of the year there's something in our dna that says let's take stock of the year that we just had and let's look forward to the to the new year mm-hmm. and so that's sort of happening pandemic or no pandemic mm-hmm. um, that's what happens at this time of year right. and then, okay let's take stock and see where we are
0: yeah and so so we're going to talk about schools and what's happening uh, for schools and for students, um, especially, of course, as it relates to, to COVID and um, the the effects that COVID has had on, on just about everything oh. associated with education. Right. Um, it, it's really difficult to to identify anything that hasn't been influenced um, and, and truly in a, in a typically negative fashion um, right. mm-hmm. when it comes to Covid and and kids and schools and uh, what we're trying to do in education, um, okay, right?
1: Under um, these very difficult circumstances,
0: absolutely. I mean, we we've missed a lot. Uh, you know, when you we think about the uh, the shutdown of everything in in early 2020 um, mm-hmm. as a result of Covid and and just the the subsequent year and a half or so. Right. um, or over a year and a half now, um, mm-hmm. of what we've been going through, you know, all the things that we've missed, but, you know, again, we don't really think too much about what kind of, uh, effect this has had on education. Right. Um, right. I saw an interesting graphic or meme. I'm not sure which one you would want to call it, uh, the other day that talks about, um, when was the last time students had a typical school year? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it for sixth graders, so first your first year in middle school right now, right. last time you had a, they had a typical school year was when they were in third grade. Uh, that would have been, 20, 20, been the
1: 2018 2019 school year. right. So that so, was three years ago. Right. So yeah, I, so if you were a, say that again, if you were a sixth grader
0: if you're a sixth, if you're a sixth grader right now, the last time you had a typical school year would have been in third grade. Because yeah, somebody
1: told, me, somebody told me the other day that th- their child is now in 10th grade. Mm-hmm. And the last time he, he was in school, so he's starting high school as a 10th grader, because the last time he was in school, he was in 8th grade. Right. And the last time he had a normal school year, he would have been in 7th grade.
0: Right. Right. So, wow. so it's... Um, so all those transitions...
1: Yeah, of what eighth grade means and what your freshman year means and what your so Wow, he missed all those.
0: Right. And I, and I think about, um, especially about elementary school kids, mm-hmm. you know, um, think about what that means for a third grader. You know, a third grader in... in in the middle. middle. In most other, in most other states, um, a third grader this year hasn't had a typical school year since kindergarten. Um, and so the kindergarten, kindergarten
1: kids... A second grader has never had a normal school year.
0: Never had a school, normal school year, yeah. So they,
1: don't even know, they don't even know what it's like.
0: Right, and so here they are in third grade preparing for these you know, massive um, high-stakes tests. That's right, end-of-year tests. And, and they haven't even experienced no a typical school year since kindergarten. That's right, no clue
1: about, oh my gosh.
0: So well. it's important that we're talking about this because it does, there is, or there has been a profound effect and we really have to shift the way that we're thinking about a lot of things um, and, and as it relates to what we're doing with children and, and schools. You know, we said that
1: a couple of, maybe a month or so ago, we talked about schools in our country, you know, they push down the curriculum. So what you're doing and what we did in first grade, they're not doing in kindergarten. Um, the emphasis on AP and honors classes, GPAs. You know, you had to have a 4.5 or a 4.7 and SAT scores, you know, you had to take all these classes. So there was this push, 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 push for improved achievement, including closing the achievement gap that has all melted away right. under these circumstances, you know, the, and what, how did you put it? There's this major shift, this major change in our thinking right. about education.
0: Right. Yeah. We, we have to shift our, our, our thinking about it because, you know, Whereas many things in society are are fighting and and scrambling to return to normal, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Stores are open and we're thinking about here we are approaching Halloween and and giving and Christmas and um, everybody's so frustrated that we've missed, we missed them all last year. Everybody's hoping to celebrate them again this year. Um, Things are starting to look normal. Things are starting to look Despite what the what the numbers say <laughs> as it relates to like the delta variants and everything else, everything is scrambling to get back to normal. Um, meanwhile, in schools, it's um, it's anything but normal.
1: Exactly, um, and, and that's that's what struck me because I thought this is the first year that we. This is the first Easter. No, we missed two Easters.
0: Um, 2020, and 2021, right, largely, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And we missed the Halloween, we missed the Thanksgiving, we missed the Christmas holiday season. Um, but now we notice, and you're right, it starts to look normal again. You know, um, you walk into stores and you see all this Christmas stuff out. Here, you know, and your people are making travel plans for Thanksgiving. You know, they're going to get into airplanes and right. fly to see or drive to see their relatives. And so, you're right. And on one way, it's beginning to look normal, but in schools, it's anything but normal. Right. And, and unless you're in, and as you say, even some parents don't realize right. how, how much schools were affected and continue to be affected by the right. pandemic. And it's not only in this country. When we were doing research for this, we were finding articles from Spain, South America, um, Asian countries, uh, the the Pacific Rim, all students all over the world have had this same kind of um, same kind of effect.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and and part of that is you know um, you know of course a lot of the returning to normal type stuff is is because of vaccinations, and um, Mm -hmm. you know that that is allowing us to kind of get out and and do more consistent with what we used to do, um, you know, the, because of the Delta variant and some other things and, and breakthrough infections and all of that kind of stuff, you know, there is that sort of cautious uh, relief that we're experiencing mm-hmm. because we want to be, you know, there, there are times when you're about to go into the grocery store and you might. When you, when you grab the handle. <laughs> okay. No, I should put it on because, you know, you see, um, you know, again, seeing things that are returning to normal, but you know, we really have to be be mindful that it's not it's not back to mm-hmm. normal yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there are many things that we can do now, but there are th- still things that we should be careful about um, right. in general. You know,
1: that's right. Um, you know, we're, we and and so we have this sort of sense of relief. But yet, right beside that is this sense of we have a little bit of caution, you know, and and so we are, you know, it sort of feels like things are beginning to return to what what we call normal, and yet there continues to be this dark COVID cloud hanging over everything, you know. Um, after all, we're still vaccination made this possible, you know, because people got vaccinated. We're able to open things up. People are safe again. But we're still vaccinated. You know, we're still doing booster shots, okay? And there's all this discussion about which booster should I use? and Can I mix them? We're still wearing masks. You know, when I go into store, I I, I still don't always remember to have a mask with me. The most discouraging part of the day is to get out of your car, to go to a store, and you realize you don't have a mask. Okay, you've my mask. So no matter how many times I hang it on the... um turn signal handle and the car, you know, that's where I hang my mask. <laughs> so I go to grab my mask and it's empty. You know, there's nothing there, which means somebody else took it. Um, so we're still wearing masks. We're still being cautious. Um, when somebody gets too close to us that we don't know, there's this little visceral response that we get sort of that fight or flight response because this person, I don't know this person, and they're very, very close to me. And so that we're still doing that. When somebody offers to shake hands with you um you sort of recoil from that when i reach for a door, every time i reach for a door handle the thought pops into my head that you know a year ago we were afraid to touch anything you know we were bleaching everything and had hand wipes and everything um, but also the other consequences we we feel these personal consequences but then in the news we hear about things like the supply chain i went to buy um uh, I went to a store the other day, and the signs were appearing You get one per customer, for toilet paper and paper towels and things. Um, we don't have enough workers, uh, another... Um, and then elected officials and social media continue to pit us against each other. There's almost a daily report in the news about the squabbles we're having about vaccines and mandates and masks. We're still fighting about that. And then there's anger over the mandates. Um, There's uh, stories in the news today about uh, very rancorous school board meetings. I don't know whether that's happened here or not, but there are some uh, locales where um, people are getting really nasty with each other in school board meetings because they're arguing about mandates and quarantines and vaccines. And um, they have become so disruptive that they've had to shut down um, school board meetings. And so there are these constant reminders the COVID, while on the one hand, it feels like it's going away, is still very much with us and hangs over us, okay? Right. And one of the places where this is happening, and many people don't realize it, is in our schools.
0: Right, uh, absolutely. And so, you know, it's, as we were talking about earlier, you know, the, this is now the third school yeah. that has been in, uh, influenced by COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, while the 2019-2020 school year, it was the basically the last quarter of the mm-hmm. year. Um, but the, the last quarter of the year sort of was a wash. It was like considered its that it was that yeah. was the worst because
1: the schools just and and they didn't have the um, they didn't have the uh, online instructional capacity right. to try
0: it. I mean, teachers worked like dogs during that last nine weeks, but we just didn't have the infrastructure for it. Right. And hmm. so then and then the 2020-2021 school year was, you know, um, a good portion of students were completely virtual, all online. Others came face to face, but there were a lot of um, quarantines and people were in and out of the school, out of school. And so the, the entire school year was so inconsistent. And- Bernard, I, have a, I have a question about that.
1: You were in the schools that year. Right. What was it like for teachers? Having some kids in class and some kids online. It was essentially two preparations, wasn't
0: it? Right. Um, different schools tended to handle that differently. Um, some schools handled it where, um, you know, this, the teacher, uh, th- th- that particular teacher did both. They did like hybrid classes where they were doing online and face to face all at the same time, uh, sort of on webcams and stuff like that. Other schools had sort of dedicated teachers. Uh, for different subjects or different grade levels, so whenever a student was quarantined, they just kind of slipped into that class, and and they were there um, mm-hmm. while they were quarantined, and then when they came back to class, they. But there were there was lots of inconsistencies between what was happening in the physical classroom versus right. what was going online, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and you know, in students, especially as students got older, those in middle and in high school, they became more and more savvy tech savvy as it relates to, well, if I'm quarantined and I'm supposed to be on these Zoom meetings, um, I can just you know, angle my camera in a way where they, they're not seen um, so they can do other things. Mm-hmm. Because you, you know I, I can sort of relate a little bit because I couldn't imagine having to sit on Zoom, just sitting in front of your computer for seven and a half hours a day from one class period to the next class period all day with, you know, you have a lunch break, but that's about it. And Um, that would be very difficult.
1: And despite the best effort, and this is where I'm, to me, it's heartbreaking. It's so discouraging because having been a teacher, I cannot imagine what it was like. I mean, I know what, what my teaching was like, but it was centuries ago. I can't imagine what teachers went through during those times because you know that, your students are not responding as they should, and yet you're going to be held accountable right. for their progress in, in some way, shape or form. Right. It just, we just, we didn't have this, we didn't have the tech, nobody had the technology, but particularly older teachers. Right. For older teachers, there and we're going to talk about one woman, she had been a teacher for 38 years. She had to learn all this technology, she had to learn it and she had to learn how to use it effectively. right? Can't even begin to imagine what. In the meantime, the days are going by. So while teachers worked themselves to a frenzy, the return was negligible. And everybody, everybody involved in education knows that not much progress was made at the end of twenty twenty school year, and throughout the whole following school year, twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. Despite all the work, very little progress.
0: Well, and, and not only was there very little progress, but it developed. Um, what what I've noticed is um, we've it developed a lot of, we'll just call them bad habits. Um, students yeah. now, uh, again, especially middle and high school students, are very different now than they were in the past. Um, I, I mean because now, of the pandemic. It, it, it appears as so because wow. what I mean is that um, their their intentions, their their work um, is much less um, in, intentional. It's they're, they're not they're not as involved. Mm-hmm. They're not as engaged. They're not as they, they don't. And I hate to use the word care, but it's you know because it applies intention. But it's they're just not as engaged as they as they used to be. And students are many students are perfectly fine with just not doing much work at all. Um and they just don't, you know, if you have students much. who had really high academics a few years ago. Now their grades are are relatively poor. Um you know they go maybe go from A's and B's to B's, C's and and D's. Right. And um you know, as you said, you know, now the teachers are left to, okay, so how do we accommodate that? How do, how are we Mm -hmm. trying to to help students with that? So now we have recovery packets and we have all of these things that we have in place to try to help students improve their grades. But again, they're not, um, they're not engaged. They're not um, willing to, they don't seem to be willing to, to really put in that, that effort that extra that extra oomph that's needed to um to overcome some of these struggles and it does seem to have started um you know you could see it in a lot of students at the beginning of last school year 2020 2021 after the last quarter that we lost um but certainly this year it's it's really obvious mm -hmm.
1: you know i hadn't thought about the 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 sort of the bleeding of the um bad habits you know, that that sort of has also crept into this. And I hadn't thought about, I knew it occurred, but I I never expressed it in any way, but you're right. And it's not laziness. It's not that they're lazy. It's just that they developed a different way of going to school prior to the pandemic. There was an, there was a level of engagement that students brought. There was a routine. It was engagement, mindfulness, thoughtfulness, Intentionality.
0: Well, yeah, I, I think that what it what it almost feels like, and this this uh, this uh, relationship just came to me as you were saying that, um, school it it almost seems as though school for many students just sort of lost its importance. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you can, and and you know, obviously, this is this is a bit of an exaggeration, but. Not, not too much. Um, if you can have a cough and then they send you home for 17 days to quarantine because you had a cough or somebody else in the classroom had a cough and um, they're not sure, um, you know, it's a, right. which was happening at the beginning of this school year. And, and certainly last school year, um, school kind of loses its importance and you, you go home and you're, you're home for t- for two weeks um, and, you know, you're supposed to be doing work when you're at home, but. You're you not back and you don't do the hadn't done the work and they're like okay the schools you know because they want the students to learn they say okay well here's the information you know let's as as you can it's like okay well what's the big deal right
1: you're right education became I mean the the other message to, there was it's not as important as some other things right it, it was the most important thing that they did prior to the pandemic. Suddenly it got pushed way down on the list.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. It just became less important.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So so it's um so at you know, again, we, we talked before about um many students now, you know, they have not had a typical school year for for years. Right. Um, right. you know, not since the um, you know, it would have been the 2018, 2019 school year that they had a full year that was typical um yeah. and, and so we still have students who are being quarantined we still have teachers who are being quarantined um you know we still have and, and in fact there's some recent evidence to suggest that students or kids are getting sick at a much higher rate now than they were before oh. um and so you know so it is still very present it is still very uh, a very active um factor when it comes to schools
1: right yeah so um yeah my my grandson is in first grade (laughs) and the class was exposed so he's now he's going to be tested tomorrow and he's going to be off for a week yeah so he's a first grader gonna lose a week of school
0: yeah (laughs) hopefully it's just a week there was a student that I was working with who um, who did virtual school all of the 2020, 2021 school year. He was virtual the entire year. Um, In in our district, students had to either had to go to a formal virtual school like Florida virtual or something like that, or they had to come back to school. There was no more, the schools, individual schools didn't offer virtual schools anymore. Um, And so he came back to school um, and the very first day, uh, somebody in the classroom uh, was exposed, so he was he was um, he was I quarantined that again for the first two weeks of school. So he was he was on virtual school all of last year. In the first two weeks of this school year, he was quarantined. Yeah, um, I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago.
1: I had one family. They, had, I think, their
0: children were in like
1: kindergarten and first, or young kids, or first and second. And those kids, I think, by the sixth week of school, had missed. Three weeks of the first six weeks of school. Right.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, so we have we, we have an article that's linked in the show notes that talks a little bit about how much stress this creates. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned, um, you know, some of these examples that we have of of yeah. teachers and different people mm-hmm. who are veterans who who have been in education for a long time. Right. But mm-hmm. this is. Yeah, this one,
1: one woman, and I, I mentioned her earlier, she's a 38 year veteran, she teaches sixth grade. And she said, I felt like a rookie. She said, I felt like a first year teacher again. She said, I knew the I knew the curriculum, I knew what needed to be taught. But she said, learning all this technology, I mean, this woman, she's in her late 50s, um, maybe 60. Um, and so she's just beginning to learn all this technology that she didn't know anything about. Two years ago, and she said that over the past years, uh, since No Child Left Behind, um, teachers have been under enormous pressure for the past twenty years about high stakes testing and you know core curriculum and all this stuff and all these changes that have occurred. And she said the pandemic was simply the last straw. So she is now going; she's retiring; she's leaving the profession. And this is a very effective, very experienced teacher. Not only are her students getting missing out, but this is the kind of teacher who can teach new teachers how to do their job. Yes. So we're losing those mentors. That's who's leaving the profession now, are the mentors who can really help new teachers. So she decided to leave. Yeah. Um, another one is a high school teacher. And he talks about just sitting on the sofa thinking about life, <laughs> kind of a, 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 it wasn't meant to be humorous, but he said, he said, I sit on the couch. He said, I found myself sitting on the couch for five straight days during the winter break and just pondering my existence. And he said, that's something I never do. You know, this is a high school teacher and coach and he's integrally involved in his school. But he said, this, is just, this has just changed everything for him. He will continue teaching, but he said it, it's taken a, a personal toll on him. Right. And they in this same article, they they interviewed a woman who teaches at Bowdoin. Golden College in Maine, and she, she studies teacher burnout, and she's using words like demoralization, exhaustion, uncertainty, and she said, what has happened to teacher, now this is somebody who does this for a profession, who studies teacher burnout, and she said, what teachers are going through right now is unsustainable, yeah. they, this, they just simply can't continue. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. That's
0: a, yeah. Yeah, and, and, it, and it does lead to, to burnout, to, um, to just feeling so overwhelmed and stressed, and, um, and, and it's, just, it's just not sustainable. Right. It just can't continue, you know, um, the, the, looking at some of the statistics, right? Um, 78% of, of teachers yeah. are having to do extra work because of all of the online and remote work that the, their students are doing. Right. I, I have friends who are teachers. Um, and, and teachers that I talk to every day who are, you know, working every evening and every weekend trying to adapt what they're doing to make it fit online for those students who end up being quarantined. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. Trying to adapt, uh, adjust and adapt to, you know, all of these changes that mm-hmm. happen at any minute, you know, um, it's, it's overwhelming.
1: Yeah, and they're uh, 52% of teachers, a little more than half of the teachers, said that they're spending much more time communicating with parents um, because of all the confusion. <laughs> my son, um, when I talked to my son the other day, the day that his, the day that my grandson was, uh, was um, notified, he said the teacher called him and he said he had all these questions that he wanted to talk to her about and um, but the teacher said, "I'm sorry, I'd love to continue talking, but I have 38 more families that I have to call because right. there were two. There were two classes involved." She said, "I have 38 more parents that I need to call." That all falls on the teacher, absolutely, and she has to make all these calls to get everybody ready. That's all added to their regular workload, right? And then um, there's an increase in meetings, of course. Yeah. You know, uh, not only you know student-teacher meetings, parent conferences, administrative meetings.
0: That's happened to you, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. More time in meetings. More more and more meetings always. Um, Right. And if you're in meetings,
1: I mean, if you're an administrator and you're in meetings, that's what administrators do. But if you're a teacher or a civil a counselor, that's taking time from the work that you're supposed to be doing. Right. So it's adding um, extra hours to everybody's Mm -hmm. workday. This
0: is it's all of this is increasing stress on teachers. Right. You have to recognize that it's increasing the stress on, on kids. Right. Um, And to to the point that some pediatricians are saying that 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 this mental health crisis is is a national emergency. That's right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, These three
1: groups have gotten together. The pediatricians have become uh, concerned enough because, of course, they're on the front lines. So parents, you know, um, but the American Academy of Pediatrics. The Children's Hospital Association and the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. These are there's 77,000 physicians and 200 hospitals, and they have issued a statement and said that we have got to slow down, we've got to recognize what is happening to children. And one of the and we've said this before on some of our podcasts that we knew everybody who was involved with, with children knew that Um, mental health disorders were increasing in children prior to the pandemic. But the pandemic has really brought this to the fore. Um, Suicide, by 2018, suicide had become the second leading cause of death in children 10 to 24. You know, that's,
0: that's an alarming statistic. Now, and, and what's important about that, as we kind of go into some additional uh, statistics, is that that was 2018 prior to the pandemic. So, so this prior to the pandi- pandemic, suicide was the le- second leading cause of death in, in folks 10 to 12, uh, 24 years old. Right. Right. Um, since then, um, th- you know, there's reports that suggest 51. There's a 51 percent increase in suicide attempts in teenage girls between the ages wow. of 12 and 17 compared to 20, 2019. So uh, 2020 and the first part of 2021, mm-hmm. there has been a 51% increase in suicide attempts as right. compared to 2019. So right. th- looking at that, you know, that is a, you know, it's, it would be very difficult not to make a very direct connection with COVID um, with that statistic. That's what that's
1: what these, these organizations, this organization is saying, the pandemic created this spike. Right. in suicides and the especially increase. And it seems like teenage girls have been the most affected. Teenage girls and children of color have been differentially affected, all girls, regardless of color. But uh, teenage girls and children of color seem to have been differentially affected by these increases.
0: Right, yeah, there, there's been significantly higher numbers of um, emergency department visits for mental health reasons. Um, mm-hmm. You know, about about a quarter, uh, 25 percent, 24, 25 percent more um, in kids five to 11 years old and Mm -hmm. um, 31 percent more in in 12 to 17 year olds. So, again, it's it's really difficult to 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 ignore this connection between, um, you know, stress induced by covid Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and, and some of these mental health issues. That's right. And and children and
1: everybody knows because we've heard it in the news that um, families of color, children of color, people of color were more affected by the pandemic, um, partly because of poverty and partly because of the jobs that they had, and partly because they didn't have the same kind of health care. They couldn't get access to testing and vaccines and things. So, because people of color were were adver- were more affected by the pandemic, the children in those groups were are being affected more by the pandemic. And there was a study um, reported about two months ago that said that, that 140,000 um, children, uh, children of color, have lost a parent or a, grandpa- a grandparent caregiver, um, 140,000 children. So not only, are those 140,000 dealing with all the other stressors, but now they're doing it without a primary caretaker.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so it's important that we, you know, I, I guess one of the main things that we wanted to get out with, um, with this podcast is, um, you know, we need to acknowledge that um that, this, that it's not over, you know, um, that, you know, that, that there continues to be, um, concerns and problems and, and that you know we have these issues related to um, you know what's happening in schools and what's happening with um, with our students because of because of COVID. you know there there continues to be quarantining mm-hmm. um, I, I was talking to a parent not long ago and um, you know she was under the impression that things were getting better because she wasn't getting as many calls from her school right. uh, her kids schools um, about Quarantine about um, right. what's well, um, you know, of course, what parents don't know is that school districts and local health agencies are changing the way are, are simply just changing the way that they do some of those things. <laughs> um, right. So, you know, unless uh, I, I think it in some districts, at least, unless it except for in kindergarten, um, in kindergarten, because it's sort of expected that students are all over the place. Um, if one student is positive or something, then the whole class is quarantined. Um, in most other class uh, grade levels, if one student is um, it, it test positive, um, then it's just students within like that six foot perimeter. But um, yeah. um, uh, circle around them, those students may be quarantined and nobody else is. And so nobody else will get a call. Nobody else will get be told anything um if if a teacher tests positive but the teacher can demonstrate that um that they've practiced you know they wore masks mask the entire time that they um you know they weren't too close to students they um uh, only students maybe in the front row are going to be the the students can still come to school so it's
1: it it looks it has the
0: appearance that things are better it's 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 very much a whitewash um we're just kind of painting over it making it look good you know what it makes makes me think of
1: is when when they said we have to we have to reduce the number of um kids who are referred who are sent to the office and that was a that was a metric for success well so the administrator just said stop sending them to the office so it wasn't that the it wasn't that the behaviors what declined was the number of kids sent to the office
0: Right. Not the, the
1: behaviors. The, no, nothing else changed. It was just they stopped sending them to the office. Right. Yeah. But the problem didn't go away, and that's the same with this. The problem did not go away. The problems are all still here. Right. But um, but with vaccines, it's it's greatly diminished. Right. Without the vaccine, we'd be where we were in uh, 2020, uh, the, in the summer or in the spring of 2020.
0: Right. So so we have. Um, very much likely related to COVID, right. we, have the, we have an increase in mental health concerns among. Yeah, students. That, right. Mm-hmm. We have an increase in mental health concerns among teachers. Right. Um, teachers are stressed and overwhelmed. Um, and, but we, we we also have them among parents. Um, yeah. you know, if a student is quarantined, what does a working household do? You know, when mom and dad are both working, or if it's a mm-hmm. single parent, and, and that mom or dad is working. What happens? You know, how how can a parent take 17 days off of work, two weeks off of work, because their, um, you know, their second grader has has COVID? Right. So they can send them to a daycare or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had this this increase, this ongoing concerns of mental health um, among all of these all groups. That's right.
1: You and I have talked about that. That when you look at students' mental health, you know, if you just look at students you have the stress on all students, but then you have these, this 20% of students who do have a, a pre-existing mental health condition. They have gotten, their condition has really worsened. Their symptoms have increased. They were there before, but now they've really increased since then. And we have the whole issue of Baker Act admissions and kids being suspended from school because they're having meltdowns. Um, those are all increasing because everything, um, all of these things have gotten worse for students. When it comes to teachers, I spoke to a woman, uh, she's a researcher um, who researches PTSD. She's doing a study right now and it includes healthcare workers, veterans, and teachers. And she said the most serious PTSD exists in the teachers, not healthcare workers, not veterans. Teachers. She said, that's where they're seeing the most serious signs of PTSD. And when it comes to parents, you, know, you think, okay, it's over. Well, using my own family as an example, when my grandson stays home, his dad has to stay home with him and both parents work, but his wife works in a, um, she has to go to work every day. My son um, has his own business, but he can't go to, he can't go to job sites Right. Because he has to stay home with his son, right. who's quarantined, and his daughter, because the daughter had to be quarantined. She can't go to daycare for a week right. because she was also may have been exposed. And so, parents who have to go to work every day still are very affected by uh, the pandemic. I mean, right. Right. they're taking a financial um, hit because of it. Okay. Yes. So, number one is to acknowledge the mental health concerns. Number two,
0: we have to recognize, as we said earlier, we recognize that learning is very different now. And, and that, well, if we're just uh, uh, being, being completely open and honest, right? Mm-hmm. Less, less learning is happening now than was happening before.
1: And I think we should all accept that. Let's just all relax and say, okay, under these circumstances, under these very unusual circumstances, less learning is good. Kids are not mastering. Right and I still like your comment about bad habits kids are not mastering the basic skills
0: but they're also developing bad habits right right in the process right yeah we have to admit that we have to admit that and then we have to then you know adjust and adapt so that we can manage our expectations of students both behaviorally and academically you know um There are some schools that are, you know, they are working so hard to rein Mm -hmm. in and 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 control and contain so many behaviors. Right. The the number of referrals, office referrals, you were you mentioned those earlier, that they've made to the, you know, for students, um, is astounding. Mm -hmm. Um, so so many referrals because they're they're trying really hard, you know, because it is the primary tool that schools has is discipline uh, punishment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're working as hard as they can to 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 contain some of these behaviors through the use of disciplinary uh, approaches. But so many of those disciplinary issues are mental health related. And so we we have to manage our expectations Mm -hmm. by and adjust them to fit the circumstance that we have before us.
1: Right. That's right. Um, And I think acknowledging, admitting and managing. And especially managing our expectations, things are—we are not going to make the kind of educational progress now that we made right. two or three years ago. It's just not going to happen, and everybody needs to accept that. And we discovered that, in fact, that's beginning to happen. And for uh, I think the, probably one of the best examples is in uh, I think it's in Richmond, Virginia, yeah. um, where <laughs> and I it was a little heartwarming to read this. because was a therapist's son. <laughs> who had a meltdown um, and, uh, and um, her son had the meltdown in class. And she said, here I am seeing patients and my own son is having a meltdown at school. But the therapist's mother has been a teacher for 30 years and she's had it too. So here's this teacher whose son is having a meltdown, whose mother is a teacher and she's completely burnt out. And so they, they used her as an example of what's happening in Richmond. So the Richmond public school system is giving its teachers a five-day holiday, mm-hmm. uh, the first week of November. And they're not the only district doing that. But their, their issue is they, they got November 2nd off because it's an election day. Right. So what they, what they did is they said, okay, well, let's give them the f- November 1st off. For November 2nd is election day, off. November 3rd, mental health day, off. Um, November 4th is a uh, Buddhist holiday called Diwali. It's a festival of lights. So they're giving them that holiday off. And then um, the fifth is parent-teacher conference. Um, so they're going to be working, but they're not, they're going to be meeting with parents. And so they're giving, the, the district has arranged for teachers to have sort of a five-day uh, break um, for everybody, okay? And the St. South St. Louis school districts did the same thing. They gave their teachers two days off.
0: Okay? Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we have some of those creative um, and, and really proactive approaches to, mm-hmm. to dealing with teachers' mental health because, right. you know, you you do that, or you deal with you know teachers calling out the night before and saying that they can't make it in because they're right. and then you're <clears throat> scrambling to find uh, substitutes, and you oh, know there just aren't any. Right, available. there aren't any substitutes.
1: Right, right. And that's another thing parents don't realize. I talked to a teacher the other well, I talked to a principal the other day, and there are five classes that don't have teachers just
0: in her school. Right, and it's, exactly. it's not a big school. Yeah, one of one of the schools that I work at, uh, a teacher sent out an email to to all the faculty on this in, at the school and said that she was looking for a substitute because she's had five. She has this planned day that she's going to be out. She has had five substitutes scheduled, but then have to back out
1: right.
0: for different reasons. And so right. there just there just aren't substitutes to cover everything. Yeah, this principal right. said, "If you know anybody at all who
1: can teach, send them to me. I'll give them a choice of whatever class they want." Right. Yeah, that's how desperate it is.
0: Right. So, so you know, it's sort of our take that so much of this, if not all of this, is, is about mental health. It's about mental health. It's about how we're dealing with stress and how we're dealing with the frustrations and the, the feeling of being overwhelmed um, and, and and helpless. You know, right. Richard, I think that that. I think that that sense of helplessness that, right. you know, what do I do? I, I, I mm-hmm. don't recall ever being asked that by teachers as often as I've been asked that this year. You know, what do I do? I don't know what to do to help in this situation. I don't know what to do about this scenario. I don't know what right. to do about what's happening in my classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um and these are teachers, as we've given with examples, who've been around and been doing this for a long time. been at it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And they're just exhausted.
1: Right. So for us, I mean, it's very clear that most of the issues that we're dealing with the schools are mental health issues. Right. It, as you say, it's about stress and anger, divisiveness, um, exhaustion. I mean, how, how demoralizing must it be for a teacher, must it be for a teacher to work as hard as they're working and then they see a school board meeting where people are screaming and fighting with each other, you know, and they're thinking, wait a minute, we're looking to you for help and assistance and you guys are fighting about where, whether we should wear masks or, you know, have mandates. I mean, there, there are more important things to be doing. So our suggestion is because what to us, the perspective was as we deal with, when we get an individual who is stressed and exhausted and feeling helpless and hopeless, this is what we do. And I think we need the same kind of thing for institutions, right? for, for, yes. for groups of people.
0: Right. So just as we we mentioned a mm-hmm. moment ago mm-hmm. with those school districts that are sort of being proactive and preventative mm-hmm. by giving some days off, I, I think that we need to find other ways to prevent problems from occurring and to right. give teachers um, and, and students, the opportunity to sort of decompress and you know ma- better manage the stress before we get to the point where we get to burnout. And yeah, that's
1: one of the first things we tell people is to prevent that from. If, if you can't handle something, then don't do it. You know, prevent problems from occurring. Right. And then you have to learn how to manage your stress. But I, I really like that all of these school districts are giving teachers days off. That's pro. That's prevention. Let's yes. let's give them a break before things break down you know Absolutely. And so that's prevention and then of course stress management right. um, How are we doing that? manage your expectations
0: yeah and I know, think we have to reduce
1: expectations
0: And I think that that's that's a really important <clears throat> one because you know um, you know again it, between teachers and, and and administrators and just the school districts in general you know mm-hmm. there's sort of the expectation that things are what they used to be. Um, And because they're not, there's, again, we're getting into a lot of that frustration, Mm -hmm. feeling overwhelmed because the students, you know, students aren't behaving academically or emotionally, behaviorally, emotionally, Mm -hmm. right? They Mm -hmm. used to.
1: That's right.
0: So we have to adapt. We have to adjust and better manage our expectations. Not that that we're going to, not that we want them to perform less Mm -hmm. that we want anything less from them, but we have to appreciate where they're coming from. Uh, where the students are coming from so that we can better you know, meet their right. needs exactly. um, so that they can meet our expectations. Right, we're, we're still
1: gonna have standards. The standards are there, you know, no matter what else is going on. What we have to do is manage our expectations because we're not gonna meet all the... We can't meet the same standards today that we met in 2018 because we have a completely different set of circumstances now, okay? That's what we're talking when we talk about your expectations. Okay. And the other thing is the last thing is return to healthy practices. What's the first thing we tell patients who are struggling eat well, sleep well, exercise mm-hmm. and manage your, manage your emotions.
0: Absolutely. So. Yeah. And, and get back to those, those healthy mm-hmm. practices. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think it's important, you know, we've talked about before about giving kids a mental health day, right? We mm-hmm. talked about that. not. Mm-hmm. A right. um, it, it's important that teachers consider the same thing. Now, I know, just as you know, um, teachers just can't take a day off. That's right. Talking about how there's no, there are no substitutes. Um, You know, some schools have, uh, you know, middle and high schools um, have addressed that by allowing teachers to teach classes during their planning periods. And so they get paid to to do Mm -hmm. that. Um, But that's overwhelming. That's taking away their plan. When are they going to plan? They have to their, you know, right? Right. So, so you know, mm-hmm. teachers need to stop, but but that is going to be sort of a higher up thing. Mm-hmm. You no, know, you can't just expect teachers to say, okay, I'm just going to take tomorrow off for mental health day, right? Because then what happens? Then they're just behind. They're
1: just and behind. and they're imposing on their colleagues because their colleagues have to cover their classes. Yeah. And so there's there's also that you're imposing on others.
0: Absolutely. So mm-hmm. so we have to. You know, we have to figure out systemically how we can make that, um, how we're going to make that happen. We also have to be mindful, you know, what we were talking about with expectations. We have to, when we have with, in the midst of so many mental health issues, in the midst of so much stress and everything, academic gains are not going to be what we want them to be. Not for every student. You know, there's going to be many students who just aren't going to be able to, keep at the pace that they typically would be able to because of being so stressed and overwhelmed we have to be mindful of that so um you know i think that um you know in doing so we have to you know uh, again it kind of goes back to adjusting Mm -hmm. that those expectations right right Right. Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and i don't know what's going to happen later because one of the things that i'm Hoping does not happen is that okay? Now that we are back to normal, how are we going to make up for all this lost time? How are we going to? We're not going to. Right. It's, it's lost true. time. There's nothing we can do about that. We can't make up for it later. There, okay. these kids have lost instructional time. Right. They have lost and They've lost skills right. that they that they normally would have learned, and. and you, you th- we're not going to make it up and we shouldn't that should not be imposed on parents teachers or administrators
0: or students you're not or going students, to right. you're not going to take students who are who are struggling to keep up with mm-hmm. things now and then later on say okay now we want you to do what you need to do for now and what you missed last month but, last year right. they're not going to do both they they yeah. they too will become overwhelmed and disengaged right so right.
1: And so that's part of let's manage our expectations. You know, we've lost some things here, but we have lost this worldwide. I I emphasize again, there are studies from other countries who are facing exactly the same thing that we're facing. So this is not just a US problem. This has occurred all over the world.
0: Right. So we're not saying give up. We're not saying lose hope. We're not saying those kinds of things, but we're saying let's be let's be aware cognizant of our expectations let's be let's be honest with ourselves and with others as to this current state of things and and where we are and how we got here um and then let's set clear and appropriate expectations so that they that we they can be achievable and that we um kind of prevent you know exacerbating the problems that are already present right
1: exactly yep and don't blame anybody you know this is not. This is the pandemic's fault. You know, uh, nobody, nobody, nobody caused this, but, um, you know, let's, let's not look for the guilty. Let's not search for the guilty.
0: Absolutely. So, all right. Well, that, that's it for today. Uh, until next time, stay happy, stay healthy and forget to be afraid.